podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Oh! Welcome to the Hamden Roar with me, Andy Barge. Murdo McLeod waited a long time before getting his first Scotland cap, but after making his debut against England in 1985, the midfielder became an important part of the international setup. He told me about his international career. Murdo McLeod, welcome to the Hamden Roar. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here with me. I'd love to jog back through memory lane with you, but let's go back to the to the very start. Born in Glasgow, September 1958. Growing up, what were your memories of the national team? You always just... Again, you look at it just now and you think you've seen it maybe twice a year or something. Seen the national team playing down against England and then home internationals going to play Wales... And, going to play Ireland um, so it was a strange one because you, you, you hardly seen it it was just the end of the season and that was the only time you ever seen the international games the qualifiers for the the World Cup I don't think they were live in television in those days so but again you, you knew all the kind of players that was playing in the, the, the national team so it was you, know, you always felt when you're out with a ball and you scored a good goal <laughs> it would be one of the older players so yeah, it was it you looked up to Okay, I think through that, yeah, it kind of changed as you get older. You know, when you were wee, a wee boy, you were kind of... Who was all in the Scotland team? You had the Willie Hendersons, and the Law, J- yeah. Jimmy Johnsons, Dennis Law. You had uh, then the Billy Bremners came in and all, all these... The, the team with Bruce, Bruce Rioch and uh, Asa Hartford and Kenny Dalgleish and all these boys. So it, it just changed all, all the time different steps and then after a competition and then all of a sudden it was change and all the, the younger players getting a chance. Did, it, did the national team play a big part in your childhood at all as a football fan? Uh, it didn't play a part as as far as that I wanted to be a football player. That, that was already in me from day one. Um, I, I was always wanting to be a football player, nothing else. And um, No, yeah. Oh, your, your, your football team so all the players you would watch uh, football on a, a Saturday night once a week and that was only football you, you would see on the television it wouldn't be anything on during the week it would just be the Saturday night and then you, you watch the, the highlights of all mm. the games and you just sat up you know, especially for a young boy normally he's <laughs> in bed but I uh, always stayed up to watch the football Do you remember for example the the Wembley Wizards game in 67 did, did the big games that Scotland had back in those days stick out at all in your memory growing up well I remember the time or the, the talk about it and then the game itself but it didn't mean an awful lot at the time mm-hmm. you just felt it was another okay. uh, and to, to beat the, the, the world champions but again you, you knew England won the world cup and but you always felt at that time being a Scotsman that the ball never crossed the line for, <laughs> for the goal. So, um, But again, you weren't really organised to know what what the games meant. No, you, you wouldn't even have been 10 years old, for aye, example. So you're still a young boy. Yeah. So it was, as I said, the, the World Cup, you remember that. You remember England winning the World Cup. But again, it didn't mean too much. Not, not because it was just England, but... Because you were you're growing up, you didn't know too much about the what every player was playing for in their careers. And what about when you went on to become a footballer in, in your youth days? Did you were, were you included in the Scottish youth teams at all? I was. Uh, I played for the under twenty ones. That was the the kind of first time. In fact, I, I played when I was younger. When I was at Dumbarton, um, when Ali McLeod was the manager, that was my first cap. The Scottish League team mm-hmm. went out to play against the Italian League. Okay. So that that was a. I was still at Dumbarton at the time. So that was a. So for, for anyone that doesn't know, what's the, the Scottish League team? Scottish League team is uh, any player that was playing in the Scottish football at the time could could go and play for 
the so Scottish League team. So it was a select 11, I So um, we were going out there to play, and I, I think I played in the second half. I came on as a sub. Against uh, a Serie A select? No, the Italian team. Oh, the, aye, oh, aye, the, the exact same. Yeah, okay. But again, in those days, most of the players, and I think possibly all our players, were all Scottish players. Mm-hmm. And I think the same for the Italian team. They were all Italian. There wasn't many foreign players playing in these countries at that time. Were there any notable opponents in can that game? Can you remember? Can you mind? <laughs> can you mind? <laughs> the most notable uh, person of them all was uh, Ali McLeod. You know, it was fantastic yeah. to be part and you know, going through the the airport and they're they're putting on the music of we're on the march with Ali's army and all <laughs> that and Ali's walking at the front and the whole squad walking behind them. But it was just a fantastic time because it was a you know, I think it was I was maybe the youngest or one of the youngest up to about twenty three, twenty four mm-hmm. type age group. You know that they weren't picking the, the guys who was playing for the national team yeah. at the time. So it was it was a great honour. It must have been exciting, yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When, uh, especially being at Dumbarton, you know, it's uh, for me looking back that 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 was uh, it was massive. Looking back, that a Dumbarton player get into yeah. the the Scottish League team because you, you look over the all the Premier League, Dumbarton were in the Premier League at the first mm-hmm. division at that that time. Yeah, well, change days certainly. Aye, aye. Um, when you. Went on that select trip, and then you subsequently moved from Dumbarton to Celtic. Did you expect to go on and have a career with the Scottish team? I did. Uh, well, that was not expect. That that was my hope. So it was an ambition. And yeah. always uh, was to play for my country. Um, and then when I, I was playing at uh, Celtic and got off to a good start, the first few years at uh, Celtic, scoring a lot of goals, scored important goals for Celtic. Played well for Celtic, and then you're thinking you'll you'll, you'll get in the, the Scotland team or get in the Scotland squad because we had a lot of good players mm-hmm. around at the time, and then I, I never get into any squads um, year in year out, and it was just I still kind of thought it was still my ambition to, to mm-hmm. play for my country. Did it weigh you down having to wait a long time? I mean, it was gosh, at least. Six seasons, seven seasons yeah. before you were capped. Well, what was that? 20, 28 when I got capped? It's 1985. So 85. You do the math. <laughs> Aye, so, so seven or eight years. So for, for me, it was a long time. And it was it was just something I, I got on with in football. No, things things in football never 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 let me down. It, it, it didn't bother me. If it didn't happen, it didn't happen. It was like winning the... Scottish Cup, winning the League Cup, winning the, the title and all that kind of thing. So that that was so special to me. So th- th- these things kind of helped to compensate not playing for my country. When you were making the transition to Celtic, you were still only a, a young boy in football terms, 20 years old. Yeah. Can you remember much about the 78 World Cup? Did you watch that on telly? Did you have a hope to maybe yeah. be included? See, you watched that and you, you felt as though the team was already there. And you, you've, you've not kind of made your, your mark in Scottish football. No, I'm 20 years of age. The, the highlight of my first career there was scoring a, a winning goal or a goal to win the title against Rangers last game of the season. So that, that kind of puts you on the map. Mm-hmm. And then the following season, I, I started scoring more and more goals, played well in the middle of the park. My attitude was always good. I was battling away all the time. And that, that type of player. So I always felt at some point I'll, I'll get a cap. So 78 maybe came a wee bit too early. Too early, uh-huh. 82 must have been, you feel, within reach. Yeah, well, again, it's it was still play, playing well, things were going well, and and not to have a cap, and then when it gets to the time to go to a tournament, then they're not going to bring in someone from, from nowhere. So it was just another one, you just... Did you speak to anyone about it? No. No, no it's... The, the only one I always remember when boy in the radio, Jimmy Sanderson, he used to come on all the time after a, a Scotland team got announced and saying it's terrible, Murdo McLeod's not in this Scotland squad, he's got to be in the squad and all this kind of thing. And uh, Neely Mockin, who was the physio and the next Celtic player, been at Celtic for 100 years, Neely Mockin always said to me, see the more that he goes on about you should get in the Scotland squad, the less chance you've got. Because he used to talk about it, he says, when Jock Steen was in charge, 
He said, even at Celtic Park, when the jungle used to sing for the players that sitting on the bench to get onto the park, I used to turn around and say to them, just go and get your shiver now because there's no <laughs> chance of getting on. And he says, and that's the way it was. And then it's... And Neely told me that quite early. So I had that... In, it was in my mind that... But again, when, when people were, were coming out and saying, you should be in the squad and you're not there, you, res- you respected them for that cause, and, and you liked them for that because that's somebody giving you high praise mm-hmm. that you should be in the squad. So I went on year in, year out and... Till eventually it was the, after the Scottish Cup final against Indy United. Um, that was it, last game of the season. And then we had a great weekend and then I think I was at a, out with my pals on a Monday night or something like that. There was a, was it Jerry Marsden or something like that? I was singing in, somewhere in Glasgow and mm-hmm. I, I went to that and came back and then it was either the Tuesday or the Wednesday I got a phone call Hello, Murdo, it's Mr. Steen here. And I'm going <laughs> to think of that, and so it is. <laughs> and he said, how would you like to be the overage player to play against Iceland next week? I said, well, that'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic. And then, right, we'll, we'll get somebody to get in touch with you and all this kind of thing. And then half an hour later, the phone went again. Hello, Murdo, it's Mr. Steen again how would you like to play against England on Saturday? And I says, oh, <laughs> that's a dream come true. That's fantastic. That would be fantastic. Well, get yourself up here to Glen Eagles and we'll get you all sorted. All that kind of thing. So that was me. brought into the squad. And then I think I was rooming with Jim Bett. And then we went down for dinner at night. So everybody's ordered their, mm-hmm. their dinner at night. And this was the Friday night. And I'm sitting there and I'm, you're looking about and you've got all the boys you play against, the boys from down south, Sunes is there mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And then the boy walks in with, whose is the prawn cocktail? And I put my hand up, <laughs> it's mine. And Jogstein says, hey sir, do you have a prawn cocktail in the house on a Friday night when you're playing with Celtic? <laughs> and I says, no I don't. Well, you're not getting one here tonight. <laughs> So that was me into the, the squad and not getting my, my prawn cocktail. And then uh, next day went down down to Hamden and to just being on the bench was really special for me. Knowing you're out on the pitch and Scotland England crowd, just your dream. No, it's I think there's there's always two teams for Scotland that you dreamt to play against was England. In Brazil, mm-hmm. I think that was it. The two games, maybe others will see differently, but that's for me. That was the two teams to to play against England, to play against Brazil, and then to be on the pitch out for the warm up, and then the game's going all right. Still, still nothing each. Then half time and that nothing happened, no changes, and then out go and get warmed up because mm-hmm. nowadays, as you know, the boys are out all the time. Whereas in those time, those days. It used to be, right, go and get warmed up because you're, you're possibly getting on. So I think there was two or three of us and then I'm out there and then Cross came in and Richard Goff looped his head around to the net and I'm jumping about, <laughs> arms in the air, I chuffed and then after about 20 seconds and then I thought, oh, I'll no go on now. <laughs> that was my thought. And then oh, the, the, one of the fizzles shouted the boys back, we've sat down again. And then, then Mr. Steen turned around and says, Murdo, get yourself ready. How long was that before the end? How long did you I get? think it was about 20, 25 minutes. Something like that. It might have been a wee bit more, it might have been less. I don't know, I can't remember. So what's um, going through your head then when Mr. Steen says that? Well, it, I didn't have to get myself ready. I was ready. <laughs> um, so I'd been warmed up and everyone was there. Because you watch the players nowadays, they've no get their shorts on, they've no get their mm. top on, they've got no shin guards on. Everything was ready. Yeah. Do you know what ready I mean? So, and then he came out of the dugout with me, and then he walked up, arm round me, and he was saying about Graham Souness, just get the boys in the middle of the park, because Gordon Strachan came off for right. me. So he was wide right, so the, the four. He says, say to Souness to squeeze the three of them over, and you go to the left side. I said, all right, that's fine, that's 
that's great. And then and I remember I'm saying it, that's good, good luck. And we're right up at the line. And it, then he turned and he was away. And then the, the linesman was there. And then when Gordon came across, I don't really remember shaking his hand, but yeah, I must have shaken, shook his hand. And then I stepped over the line. And then from there, for the next 10, 15 yards, always in my mind was, I'm playing for my country. Yeah. I, and that was, that was it. A lifelong ambition hmm. achieved. Everything in football up to the end was always what you've achieved and it, it just happened, it always, but that was, that, that was achievement, that's something I've looked, I wanted to, to be part of and it was uh, really special. Really special? Really special. Had you ever, had, had you ever accepted that it might not happen when you were going so long without getting a cap? No. I always thought it was going to happen at some point. I always, I, that was my belief. That was my belief, and it went on and on, year in, year out. And you're getting to the stage, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're an older player now, and still not being capped. Mm-hmm. No, and it was, it was, it was all, year in, year out, it was so disappointing not to be part of the Scotland squad. You know, and you've seen boys coming in and out of the squad, and rightly so, they, they, they've been picked and all that, and you just think, give me a chance. Mm-hmm. And I never got that chance. But... Coming off the bench against England, did that make the weight worth it? Oh, aye. Yeah. Uh-huh. Can you remember it's, much about the game? Is that a blur? The, the game, Goffey's goal, obviously, was, was the highlight of the, the whole game. The game itself, you just, you know, you're in about it and just work hard, just just get the ball and pass it to a Scotland player and <laughs> just, just do that if an England player's get the ball, get the ball off him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, it's, and it's not the same in modern day that you could go and get the ball off them. And that, that, that's what you're doing and running about the park and just making sure, don't make a mistake, just keep the ball, just play football. Who were you up against? It was, it was a strong a strong England team. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's players that you would always, from the past, that everybody would remember the team. It was the year before... The Hand of God incident, incident. So I suppose they must have had players such as Robson, Butchart. Aye. Uh, oh, these boys Lineker, were there. Yeah. They were all there. No, obviously. Uh, no, you, you you look at the England team now, and there's there's boys getting picked from teams that you don't expect them to be picked. But in those days, it was all the top players, mm-hmm. the boys that's played in the World Cup. Yeah. They're all still there, and every player wanted to play for their country. No, the English boys were there, and. Robson in the middle of the, the, the park and all that kind of thing and uh, who do you call him? The big winger. Waddle? Aye. He was, he played because I, I, in one of the, the following games I played against him I played left back for Scotland. All right. Which was fantastic <laughs> because uh, no, at one point you, you're not getting in the squad now all of a sudden you, you're putting you in your squad and playing you in a different position. But I played against Waddle and I, I did all right against yeah. him because he was a magnificent player, great skill in. You know, Craig Brown saying, oh, it's all right, Murdo, you'll come inside all the time, he'll no go by you down the outside because that's on his right foot. He's getting the right foot. <laughs> Goodness me. And the first time I went to him, he just went by me <laughs> outside. I thought, I need to watch here because he could play. But again, they could all play. Mm-hmm. You no, know, every, every player on the team and they were all household names and all that kind of thing. So could the Scotland team. Exactly. No, but we all. I looked about, and I still every time that picture comes up with the Rouse Cup, just sitting there and to, and to be part of it. No, it's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You're saying it was so special to make your debut against one of the teams you think lots of Scotsmen aspire to play against England. You missed out on a place in the '82 World Cup squad where Scotland played the other team. You, you mentioned Brazil. Was mm-hmm. it hard to watch that? No, no, because I've. But when you're not in the squad, then you're a supporter. No, that, that's, that's all I was. I was always wanted us to do well. That's one thing I, I was always part of, being a supporter all, all my life, all my, all, my, all my football life growing up. I remember uh, the Billy Bremner chance. 74? Is that 74? I think so, yeah. 
not the one he came right across and no I remember that and nearly great and yeah. all that kind of thing and but just just fantastic you know to be part of the whole thing and then when, when you're not going to the, the World Cups as I said you just become a supporter mm-hmm. and just you don't kind of say oh I could have played better than that whoever or that that never comes into your head what it is is that's the team that's who you support it's like any club supporter that's their club it doesn't matter if there's other players and all that that's they support their own team and that's how I was doing supporting Scotland you said you never asked Jock Steen about why you weren't getting called up or such did they ever get in touch with you at the Scotland camp to say not this time maybe another no no just, no. just really Nothing. just get on with it I just just <laughs> <laughs> You're here or you're not there. So it's that's how I always felt overall all my years with, with Andy Roxburgh. Andy put me in his squads, played me a lot of, a lot of games and you know, you, you see my, my teammates getting hundred caps and fifty caps and mm-hmm. whatever they, they got. But my, my twenty caps are so special to me and Andy Roxburgh was a big part. You really kicked on after your debut against England. You weren't in the squad for 86, though. Was no. that a shock? I was in the standby squad. I was in the standby squad, and I remember it was a long standby because <laughs> you're, you're, you're waiting there. And then I, I was in Spain in my holidays, and Kenny came out of the squad. Was it Kenny came out of the squad? It must have been Kenny Douglas, because I'll tell you why. <laughs> and uh, is it Alan Hansen? Han- Alan Hansen. I think he wasn't in the squad. He was left out, I'm sure. So yeah. he was out. So okay, Kenny, I'm pretty sure Kenny Douglas didn't go because of Alan Hansen wasn't picked or something along those lines. Was Craig, that right? Craig, oh, Craig Brown alluded to that. Oh, goodness me, because I'll tell you that the reason why. We're, we're, I'm in the hotel uh, down Marbella, and uh, there with the family. And then Kenny appeared with Alan Hansen and we were overlooking the golf course and we were chatting away and we are talking about it and are you in standby? They're kidding on, they're putting on the voices and all that. Are you in standby? And I was in standby and all that kind of thing they were saying and kidding on and we ended up just playing golf together. You know, watched the games at night and we played golf and my next door neighbour, um, Alec, he played with Alan Hansen, I played with Kenny. Right. And until it, uh, Alec passed away, he always spoke. Every time we, spoke, we met up in a night out, it was always when Alan Hansen played golf with him. That was his, his highlight, especially during the World Cup. You know, one of the Scotland greats, of mm-hmm. great defenders of all time, wasn't he in the squad and was playing golf with him? And he always went on about it. What did Alex Ferguson say to you then when he didn't include you and put you on the standby list? Um, I don't even know if he said anything to me. I don't think he said no. anything to me. I think. Do you just get a phone call from the SFA or such? No, or no. I, th- I think it was just uh, the here's the squad. The squad gets announced, and then here's the the standby players. Right, okay. I think that, that's what it was. Did you play under Ferguson for Scotland? No. Do you wish you had? No. What was your first impression? Did you not go on? <laughs> No, I got on all right, but yeah. I like Ferguson. No, I would love to have played uh, under him. I was in, I was in squads with him. I was on the bench for him, and again, not not going on the park. And people always tell you if you're on the bench and you don't go on the pitch, you don't feel part of mm-hmm. part of it. So as I said, I'd, I can't remember what, how many caps I got before. Andy Roxburgh took over. I don't know whether it was one or two. Obviously, Jockstein gave me my mm-hmm. first cap, and I'm always delighted with that. But then, when Andy Roxburgh came in, and then I was in and out and in and out, and, but still being part of part of the team and got to the World Cup, which was very important. But when I, uh, Alec was in charge, you not know, being on the bench. It's a long 90 minutes when you, you don't go on. If you go on for five minutes at the end, if you go on for a minute at the end, you feel part of it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't go on, you just feel you've got two Scotland strips and you're <laughs> both unused. Well, you, you played against Ireland and 
Luxembourg, I believe, shortly after your, your debut against England, or well, the, after the World Cup the following year. Uh huh. That's, I suppose, when you started becoming a more of a regular yeah. fixture in the team. Was that no way, Andy? It may well. I have think been with Andy, that, I'm not that, sure. that was Andy. I think that's in a. We played at, uh, I don't know if it was Windsor Park out mm. there, but it was a 3-5-2 formation. I remember playing wide in the, wide in the left. That, that, that was my first start for Scotland. Right. Um, so that was phenomen- phenomenal, being on the pitch from the start. And, and then all of a sudden you just felt you felt so much better and been starting a game. Is Andy Roxburgh somebody that you really enjoy playing under? 100%. Um and it meant so much to me. You, know, you, you hear people going on about Andy Rocks about this and Andy Brocks about that. And For me, he means so much to me for my international career. I can't thank him enough. What were him and Craig Brown like as a management duo? People will tell you they were so well organised. Um, but they were so well organised, they knew everything about the opposition they were ahead of their time at that time because the information they had about the opposition teams and how they would play and all this kind of thing they knew everything about them they, they actually you know, would send people out getting games, getting videos of games and sitting down here's the highlights of the, the, the best teams and all that kind of thing but everything was well organised everything was well organised Towards well, in the late eighties, that was when you really became a, a regular for Scotland. Who were you close with in the squad at that point? Because I suppose if a lot of the same players are getting picked a lot of the time, you're going to uh-huh. grow close relationships Aye. with some of them. I'm the type of person I got on with most people. You know, there was there was never a play, even players that you'd you'd kick on a Saturday, you'd be pally with them <laughs> through the week. They might not like you, but um, but I, th- I think. We, there was a few Celtic boys in the squad as well. There were Dan Burns and Roy Aitken was there. Paul McStay was there. David Proven was there. Um, so you've got your teammates. But again, I always felt it was it was good when you were there and you would sit with other people other than just sitting with your teammates. Because okay, yeah. it's too easy to do that. No, you see your teammates every day in life. You still have banter with them throughout the, the two or three days you're away. But uh, you'd, you'd sit and you'd get to know other players better. You know, boys mm-hmm. from Aberdeen, Big Alec McLeish, Willie Miller, Jim Layton, uh, Gordon Strachan. Do you know what I mean? Okay. All, all the boys, you, you'd get to know them because they were the kind of bigger, biggest rivals as well at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the Aberdeen squad was, was a good squad, so you, get, you got to know them. Who were the big characters? Who was the characters? There wasn't many. Tam Burns was great. Mm-hmm. Tam Burns was great in the dressing room. Um, always nice and easy, everything. A wee bit of fun. And every every one of the biggest characters was Jimmy Steele. Right. The old masseur. <laughs> Steele was fantastic. Been at Celtic for many years and Scotland for many years. Must have been about 400 caps he's got or something <laughs> like that. He's been about but he was always bringing in a wee taking a wee, the kind of tension away from okay. uh, any, any of the meetings and all that kind of thing so Steely was always good but a lot of the boys were always everyone was they had their own kind of bits and pieces that they would, would stand up you didn't always get one it was the same one all the time would stand up and try and be funny or whatever <laughs> I want to ask you about Scotland's two of Scotland's strikers at that point Ali McCoist recently said that he believes Mo Johnson was one of the best strikers in the world uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. Would you go along with that? And how good a pairing were they? Um, Mo was a, was a top player. Um, no one likes him now. <laughs> <laughs> Between Rangers and Celtic. Um, but Mo, Mo was a top player. Again, it's hard to say that he was the best player in the world, one of the best players in the world. It's difficult because you only seen the strikers from these countries at World Cups. Mm-hmm. You didn't see them week in, week out. Sure. Whereas you can you can look up any league just now and see who's our television and see who's the kind of top players. But I, I would say Mo, Mo was a top player. 
He was the top scorer in the 1990 qualifying group, which had France, Yugoslavia, Norway and Cyprus in it. How uh-huh. good an achievement was, was that to, to get through that? And it, but that just tells you what he, what he was like. And it tells you something about him, what he achieved, where he played. Because mm-hmm. not many people could do what he did. Yeah. Football-wise, you know, you talk, we're, we're talking about Hamden, but the two t- uh, clubs he played for, as I say, <laughs> it's... <laughs> and the big div- and the divide wasn't a just a just a straight divide. There was so much said before it. He was coming back to Celtic and he was all signed up and then all of a sudden he wasn't signed up and then he signs for Rangers and then he's out the next day with a, a blue strip on. So I didn't go down well on the Celtic side and then obviously I didn't go down well in the, the Rangers side because of his, his background. So that the whole thing and if they, they, the Rangers fans were won over by a fantastic football player. Did sc- Sorry, go on. Uh, no, I think he scored one of his early goals against uh, against Celtic. So obviously that was a big, massive mm-hmm. boost for, for him. But the, the supporters got behind him. Do the players have a laugh with that kind of thing on international duty? Aye. Yeah. What, Aye. what, what was it like? Maybe oh, yeah, winding him up or the, such? The, the banter and all yeah. that. And, what side are you sitting in the bus and all this kind of thing? <laughs> all, 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 just to be daft uh, one-liners, but yeah. but for that, if you're close to him at the time, which I was, and you know, knowing all about him and what what he's, he's achieved, but the guys who don't really see him much, they'll be saying, "How did you manage that? Mm-hmm. How how could you go go from Celtic to Rangers? They both hate each other." The fans didn't like it. They wouldn't accept a Celtic player going to Rangers, but they ended up not everyone, but most of the Celtic uh, Rangers fans just got behind him and supported him, and he turned out to be a fantastic finisher for them. Is he the kind of guy that would would take the jokes and the banter and stride away with the Scotland camp about that? Aye, yeah. aye. The, the whole thing. Mo, Mo was always like that, so it, it wasn't a big thing for him to go across the city. In the 1990 qualifying stage, you played in the final three games, two defeats against Yugoslavia and France. Did it, was it, it then got it over the line against Norway? Uh-huh. Was it ever in doubt? It was always in doubt with the, the two defeats because going, going to France, and I think we were going through a wee spell of scoring on goals. I think, obviously, that the Norway game being the last game at Hamden, mm-hmm. that, that was the one that you're pinning all your hopes on. Because you always know what going to play against France. I was talking to Cantona uh, two nights ago about oh, it. Really? He was doing a question answer up at the Hilton. Oh, right, okay. Uh, for street soccer. Yep. So Cantona was there and I was saying, I played in that game. <laughs> He's won three nothing and all that kind of thing. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. What so was he, he saying about it? He didn't say much about the game. He just said, yes, I, we, we, we played well on the night. Mm-hmm. And you look back, because a lot of times you're, you're playing against players and you don't realise the amount of time it's when you look back and you see, see their, their, their names and you think, goodness me, I didn't realise he was playing against yeah. you at that time. But the, the Norway game, the, the, the one that came on as a sub for Willie Miller, mm-hmm. Willie Miller uh, got injured and I went back and played at Sweeper, okay. which... International <laughs> from a mid- middle of the park, and I remember because I remember their goal was it Brad Seffert scored? Uh, Jim Leighton chucked it in, aye, aye, aye from about 40 yards. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was just a matter of when I went on for Willie, Willie had a hamstring injury, and I think that was one of his kind of last games, wasn't right, it? Because okay. he started getting that, uh, injuries for Aberdeen, <coughs> Willie had never had an injury, and all of a sudden after that injury, he started getting injuries. So he he was a loss, but uh, just going on to that pitch, just trying to hang on. Knowing what was at stake? Knowing what, he won one. Was it one-one when you came on? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, so if it stays like that, we qualify. Yeah. If it goes 2-1, then we're, <laughs> we're staying at home. <laughs> Can you feel the pressure from the stands bearing down on you during games like that? Because some pros, I suppose, Aye. can brush it off, others are different. I think going back to that that time coming on, especially playing at the back, is that's a wee bit different. Mm-hmm. 
because I, I played for uh, Dortmund a few times as sweeper at Dortmund, and so Andy Roxburgh knew this. Mm-hmm. That I, I could do that that kind of role. Okay. So it was comfortable coming on, but I, again, it was it was all about no mistakes. Just keep everyone going. Just keep the whole thing going. And by by that time, you're kind of you're more settled in me talking to the players, organising, shouting at them, and not in bad ways, but just shouting to keep the whole thing going. Because that's all we had to do, just keep mm-hmm. a, a pace about the game, don't give the ball away, and one one's enough. We don't need to score another goal. Because generally Scottish teams in the past, we go and attack to, make, to try and make it 2-1. Mm-hmm. By that time you leave yourself open, the, the foreign teams come up and then they go and score the goal, and you end up losing the game. So. And is that a reflection on Roxburgh and Brown's management style then? They, they, they would be happy with that, that, that we're making sure but again you're not sitting in the most important thing we're, we're defending well but we, we've pushed up the park and that was one of the things I was always aware of was not to sit back being the kind of sweeper at the back and I think it was a big Alec was the other centre back at the time whatever it was whoever it was anyway and that was the thing we, keep on, we kept on pushing up and just making sure that it's, we're not sitting in because you sit in it could be another 40 yard or mm-hmm. We got yeah. the tournament, but it was it turns out to be you know, a fantastic night. What well, what's the feeling from the substitutes and the management staff when they see a goalkeeper do that in a game of such magnitude? I mean, it was I, again, it was a good forty-five, fifty yards I, I, through Jim again, I, It's a wee bit of disbelief, mm-hmm. but the disbelief just turns to it's happened. Just got on with it. But you're not expecting that for Jim Lane, mm-hmm. but it happened. But so you just move on. No, you, you don't dwell in it, and it's not as if Andy didn't get upset about it. Neither did Craig. It's, it's happened. Mm-hmm. So you, everybody just moved on. And it, at no point, I don't think anyone said anything to Jim after the game. Right. Or maybe they did after because we've qualified. <laughs> so then you can have a wee bit of fun. <laughs> so it was. Uh, I I no 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 one goes on. No, everybody knows that it's good players run about you. Okay. And they, they don't try to make a mistake, and if it happens, go on with it. What's the feeling at full time? Is it euphoria, relief, pride, all rolled into one, or anything like that? Um, to know pride, that, to, to know that you've played pride, such pride, a big part. Aye, pride, pride's, pride's that. Um, um, aye, I would, I would say, achievement. No, because football's all about achievement, and that was a, a big achievement. No, it's already saying that Scotland at the time were, were getting to every World Cup but when you looked at our, our, our uh, section mm-hmm. it was a tough one yeah. so to, to qualify from there it was, it was special for us Must have been quite different for you going back to Germany because I suppose you'll have been looking forward to the World Cup with players of different nationalities Yeah What was that like? Well you go back there and the Germans would, knew that we'd quali- qualified but it's not a big thing to them mm-hmm. Because it's normal for the, the Germans to, you know, they they qualify all the time. So they just felt it was, they would just say, well done. In <laughs> the story, that, that that was it. It wasn't a kind of, oh, you've not knocked out France. No, this kind of thing. Nobody entertained you. <laughs> no, they, no, nobody's going on about it. So I, I think that the big part of it is when you actually get to the World Cup, then they're more aware of you going there to, to play. It must have been a nice confidence boost in the run up to the World Cup beating Argentina. Yeah, that, that that was a fantastic night. Um, playing in that, I think I was widing the left and Stuart McKimmy was widing the right. I think I was part of it. I think I crossed it into the far side and Stuart McKimmy got the goal. So the great finish, yeah. Two guys, brilliant. So it was, it was a great achievement. No, and it's to beat a team like that, and it was a good crowd at Hamden, good atmosphere at Hamden. World Cup holders? I will. At the time. <laughs> <laughs> is that is the World Cup? World champions again <laughs> then after similar to sixty six. So I was it was a good night. It was always going to be a tough game but at that level that's where you want to play. Absolutely, you want, you yeah. want to play against the, the world champions. We'll move on to Italia ninety itself then. You didn't play against Costa Rica. What no. what what went on there? Um I don't know, because uh, Andy had been I felt was I was in, in his plans and all that kind of thing at the time. I, I'm seeing in these plans in these plans I mean 
I'd, I felt I'd maybe a chance to, to play in the game. And then I didn't get picked on the bench. And then... Was that a shock to the system? It wasn't a shock. It was... Because, because what's happened in my, my international career, I wasn't a, a player that's that played in every game, a Roy Aitken or a Paul McStay or something like that, and, or a Willie Miller. I was in and out and in and out. and yet The ups and downs became... Just, just forget about it. That's not going to upset your life. Just go on with it. So when you didn't get named in the start of my living, you felt a wee bit kind of disappointed. And then when you're half time and well, we won nothing down by that time, won nothing down, weren't mm. we? And then you're warming up at half time, you're thinking, well, you'll get a chance in the second half you know, to get on the park and all that kind of thing. And it didn't happen. And I think it was, I was, I, I, I wasn't at any point disappointed about not being on the park. I was disappointed about the result. Mm-hmm. You know, I was gutted. I was a supporter then because I was on the side yeah. and the game went on and we never get we never got an equaliser and pff, absolutely gutted because if, at some point I felt I'd, I'd be in a I'd play in a game mm-hmm. but we've just lost the points against the minnows of our group and that that that, that was the kind of thing that made you made you angry that we lost the game. Were they underestimated? Were they underestimated? Possibly. I think that's a Scottish thing, that we look at teams and if we don't know much about them, we underestimate them. If we, if we play against Argentina, we play against England, we play against Brazil, we're up for the game, we know this is we're the underdogs, we're in about them, we'll go and work hard, we'll see what we can do. But Costa Rica, and you're thinking, Costa Rica, you don't really know any of their players mm. or anything. Albeit, you, you knew all the players for the previous couple of days because the kind of squad that they had and possibly the team that was going to start the game, we were talking about them and what they could do and their strengths, their weaknesses and all that kind of thing. So we, we knew about them couple of days before it but again it's I, I still don't think it's a, it's a difficult one to say because you always think the players know that they're not the, the biggest team in the group but we've still got to beat them we've yeah. still got to play well to beat them and we didn't go off to a good start absolutely and it, it just went flat furthest thing from a good start but managed to turn it around against Sweden you came in to the side mm-hmm. for that game were you one of the players then that you felt right Roxburgh has turned to me I need to go on here make an impact well I think Andy's words were he was talking about we need to get a team that's going out to fight and uh, I think that's a compliment <laughs> <laughs> he, he battling qualities uh, and, that, and that's, that's what we had no, because Sweden were one of the kind of outsiders to win it. No, to win one it. Of the, aye, because they are getting to the latter stages because of their squad and everyone, they kind of tipped them and and were kind of putting Scotland the kind of third in the group behind Sweden and Brazil at the top. And then it was uh, going out there and the noise going out and the fans and singing, the Scotland's team singing just as we went because you walk around the hole under the, a tunnel mm-hmm. under the, the the stadium under the stands all, all the way around to come out at the halfway line and then we stood there and then we started singing Flower of Scotland I think it was yes. I think we sung Flower of Scotland well just a show of unity you need to check that with someone because I can't even mind <laughs> but we, we definitely sung and then we were shouting and then we were getting noisy and they're all looking as if off their heads <laughs> and then we went out and we, we, we battled with them yeah. we, we did battle with them and then uh, we got got the goals 2 nothing up and then you're thinking we're comfortable here and and then they, they get a penalty it was a penalty a late penalty they got and then they scored and again we're thinking we're, we're better than them on the night so yeah. it was a great a fantastic the, the whole camp got a massive Lift, you know, everybody, everybody involved in the squad, and 
even the security boys who were looking after the team, they were all chipping <laughs> all that after the game. They walked about with the guns and all that kind of thing, and oh, fantastic! And you know, the Italian boys, and they were just going on about great performance and all that kind of thing. So it left the whole whole place, and then it just set us up to go and play Brazil. You crossed the ball for Stuart McCall in that Sweden game, I believe. Aye, aye yeah. that's right. Aye. It's been nice to, to contribute to, towards to one of them. part of it. Yeah. Well, it was, well that, that, that's the thing I, I'd been doing in, when we all started getting together. All the set plays, I, I was involved in them. I was taking the corners and that side with my left foot and that side with my right foot and mm-hmm. knocking them in and then free kicks, I was I was taking all them and all that kind of thing. So it was great to be part of being the important parts of games and all that, the set plays and all that. So you always feel when you're, you're, you're taking them at training, you think, well, I must be playing because <laughs> you're taking them. So it didn't happen the first game, but it happened the second game and we worked in it and we worked in it and it was getting the ball at the front post. I think it was Davy McPherson to flick it on mm-hmm. and Davy flicked it on and Stuart came in at the back post and it was great, great for us. What's the mood in the camp like then as you approach the Brazil game? Very buoyant. Mm-hmm. You know, the, everybody's... Everybody's buzzing. You no know, boys, it's team that played against Sweden buzzing, but the boys in the squad they're all buzzing as well. They're they're all want to be part of it. You no, know, everybody's wanting to be part of the Brazil game. Mm-hmm. So that that was it. The, the training was good, and we went into the game with no fear. No, it's we, we knew it's, it's Brazil. So let, let's have a go at them. You're going to love one of your childhood dreams, getting to aye, well, with that, dark that, that Brazil, yeah. aye, well, with that said, no, you're, you're on the pitch. And my early memories um, was playing against uh, one of the boys played for Leverkusen, and he was playing, and that, that's, that was about the kind of only one I'd ever played against. Right, okay. Or, or did I? No, I played with Hamden. We played the handing against him before, did we not? Or was that after? Well, your memory of the game would be hazy, regardless. I, 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 I kind of do. I, I do after dinner speaking, and I do. I talk about it, but people think it's a kind of kid on. But I don't. I don't remember what happened. Mm-hmm. The build up, you know, the even going out for the warm up, the national anthem. Don't remember it. I don't remember kind of coming off the park injured and all that kind of thing I remember being in the, uh, lying down in the, the dressing room and the team coming in at half time I remember Andy talking then they're away again but I don't remember what they said mm-hmm. but I, I, I was aware of it going on yeah. and that's a better word aware of it going on but I don't nothing kind of stuck to me and then I came out towards the end of the game I went down the tunnel and sat in the dugout and it was, uh, <coughs> I think we Mo had a chance, and they had a good, the keeper had a good save. Yes, but, that's right, Tafarel. Aye. Great save. Great save at the end. And then, I think I met up with my family after the game, and I don't, I don't remember meeting up with them, but my, my kids and my, my wife said that, that we met up and we, we chatted about how very you and all that, because they were at one side of the park, and when I went down and somebody says oh he'll, he'll be alright and my missus says no he never goes down mm. so he's no alright after that just back to the hotel and that was it yeah. no, we, we've lost to, to Brazil and then I think the whole thing opened up for the next day's games because I think there was four games on mm-hmm. that if the result went the right way we could still qualify so we were in the hotel the next day and we were walking the games had all started and then we're walking the corridors no watching the games and I think the four games three of them right throughout the, ga- the game turned against us mm-hmm. and we were waiting for one game and the last minute someone scored that knocked, knocked us out Scotland were not long away from getting the, the point they needed uh, against Brazil it was a Bit of a dodgy goal that Brazil got. I think uh, Leighton probably could have put the ball wide rather than back aye. out into the, the danger area. Do you remember anything about that? I watched it um, 20 years after it. I think that was the first time I'd seen it. Wow, okay. 
because um, I hadn't watched it, I hadn't watched the game, I hadn't seen, it wasn't until Scotland played Brazil and France, the opening game, that was the first time I'd seen me get knocked out. Why did you not watch it back? <laughs> I, didn't, I never thought about it, it didn't come in to, to, to see it, and it wasn't until the build up for that game, they went back to that game, and I seen a wee clip, a clip of it, and then I thought, then you started, oh, you can go and see it here, because you're always thinking, mm-hmm. if it's not on television, you don't see it, but you don't realise things have happened now, and you could see it on YouTube and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So when I watched it, I thought, oh, it's a, a good strike, and and then to get knocked out, and then be unconscious, and then get back on your feet, and then want to play on and all this and I played on for a couple of minutes and then I collapsed and mm-hmm. then they took me off and as far as I know Gary McAllister was told to go and warm up when I went down first mm-hmm. and Gary's up warming up and he this is for his first cap and then when I went down the second time they shouted out right Gary get yourself ready and McAllister starts getting himself ready and Gary Gillespie Got up and straight onto the park. So Gary McAllister thought it was him going <laughs> to get on middle of the park. And what happened was Gary Gillespie went on, played at the back, and Roy Aiken came into the middle of the park. That's a bit of a gutter so, for, so, for Gary so Mack. Gary Mack, I, you know, he said to me a couple of days later, he says, God, I was warming up when you get knocked out the first time. And then and Gary, Gary Gillespie wasn't he warming up, it was just him. <laughs> And he thought he was going to get on, and when he heard Gary get on, he thought it was him. And then it was uh, Gary McAllister, uh, Gary Gillespie. Wow. Yeah, how do you look back on Italia 90 as a whole then? Is that a missed opportunity? Or great memories? Great memories. Absolutely fantastic to be part of it. Um, we, we Possibly we played it the Scottish way over all the years, the amount of times we lose to the underdog. and. Mm-hmm. We put a good battle against the, the, the bigger sides that the fans enjoy. I think the amount of fans it was again, in the Sweden game, they, they loved it. So, But it was an opportunity. You know, I can. But I think that's Scotland every single World Cup we've been at. You know, beat the team that you should beat. Bonus when you the other two, who are usually the better ones, if you beat one of them, you think you've got three points, you should be qualifying. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. No, we get, we get the two points against Sweden and nothing against the other two. On a personal level, though, it must have been an unbelievable feeling. Not saying that you were growing up dreaming of playing for Scotland, making your debut against England, and then finally reaching Italia ninety. Yeah, it's it really does kind of cap off what so yeah. many young boys dream of doing. Yeah, yeah it's my international. As I said to you before. I never got a lot of caps, um, the same as Ali McLeish and Paul McStay, Roy Aiken and all them, but uh, I, I treasure my 20 caps, I loved every one of them. Special ones would have been the England ones, I, I played England three times, Okay. played against England three times, I think I've played Brazil twice, so they're my highlights. <laughs> I could have taken five caps and that would be nice for me. What about your your only goal for Scotland? I forgot to mention that in 89 against Chile. Some strike. It was a good strike. Uh, There's two men in a dug at Hamden that day. <laughs> but it was one of the ones, and it was a strange one. I'd on number nine. I was playing mid- middle of the park. Same place. But I'd on number nine, and I don't know whether that was an inspiration to go <laughs> Well. But I, I, I played played all right in the, the game. Everyone's fine, and I think Big Alan McAnally scored his first goal for Scotland right. in that game as well. And uh, the edge of the box, the ball just broke at the edge of the box, and I've clipped it into the corner, high in the corner. Yeah, great finish. Just it was it was great, great feeling. Another yeah. moment for the scrapbook. Well, well, that, that's the one. No, you, you, people go on about it. They, they kid you on about. Hey, Murdo's got 20 caps, only one goal, no <laughs> kind of thing. But it was, it was great, great to, to see you've scored for Scotland because there's hundreds of people that's played for Scotland, no score for Scotland. Yeah. So I've ticked that box. I've played against Brazil a couple of times. I've ticked that, 
ticked that box and three times against England. Played at Wembley, which a was World Cup. Been, been a World Cup. And when you've been a World Cup, it ticks a massive box. When you look at the poor boys nowadays, that they've good football players and never been to a tournament. Yeah, which it's, is it's no great for us. You only played three more games for Scotland after Italia ninety, a couple of qualifiers against Romania and Switzerland, and then you played the USSR in a friendly, which turned out to be your last cap at only thirty two. How did it come to uh, an end? Um, I played the last. My last cap was at Ibrox. Okay. I played against one of the boys who played for uh, Dortmund uh, when we played Russia. Sergei Golokovic. He played fullback. I think I was at Hibs at that time. And for the Euros, I'd, I'd tweaked my knee right. just before the Euros. And in I that kind of put, because I was re- ready to be in the squad for that. And then I, I had that a wee tweak and it was coming up to the summer. And I, I couldn't go because if it, if it happened again, I couldn't have played that. I was in okay. the with. But that wasn't the reason I wasn't playing for Scotland anymore because. To this day, I'm still available. Do you know what I mean? I'm, st- I'm still waiting, and Big Alec to give me a call and say, You can play. I'm not one of these uh, players that would just gonna. It was too hard for me to get my first cap just to. Yeah. So I would never walk away from Scotland. Do you know what I mean? It was always part of my life, part of everything that you wanted. Did Roxburgh or Brown let you know that it was maybe a Time for turnover in players, or something. No, no. Uh, for me, for me, especially after playing for uh, Andy for so many times, and then Craig Brown and all that kind of thing, they're going well with both of them. For me, it was always a thing. It was, it was just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Every football player, you never know when it's going to be the last game. There's a few boys will come out and say, after this tournament, I'm going to retire. People can say that after this. But at the end of this season, I'm going to retire. They can say that as well. But other players just, they play a game and then they don't get picked for the next squad and somebody comes in and plays well. The young boys come through, they play well and then it just moves on. So it's not no, a thing that you, you ever know. It's, it's even in club football, that happens as well. You never know when that's, that's your last game. You cherish your 20 caps and quite rightly, is there a part of you that wishes or thinks you should have got more? Um, the, the time I was always just desperate to get a cap to play for my country. Um, and when you when you get your caps and then uh, when you get a few, then you're delighted with them. Uh, possibly I'm a wee bit disappointed. That the only disappointment about it would have been not getting it earlier in my football career. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, you're 20... 28 or whatever I was 27, 28 getting your first cap that's like somebody that's just getting a rich being a form and getting a reward for it yeah. whereas I felt for my 7 years at Celtic Park I've, I've I've played nearly 400 games for Celtic and I've not got a cap do you know what I mean it was, it was a strange one but as I say my delights there nothing else matters 20 caps one goal and no one can ever take them away. can I take away absolutely I want to just have some more quick fire questions here just uh, ones with maybe simpler answers of ones that, or ones that you've been asked before right who was your best or most talented Scotland teammate that you played with on the park uh, teammate on the park um, mixed day what was good about him Fantastic football player, great vision, good passer of the ball, scored some goals as well. Um, but just overall plays, calm in possession of the ball, would make a team tick. Okay. So, what was your biggest regret while playing for Scotland? Biggest regret? No going. None. None. Toughest opponent on the park for Scotland. Um. Well, the only one that made it tough was Branko. Because <laughs> he knocked me out. He's the only one who knocked me out, so Branko would need to go down as my toughest opponent. What about team? Toughest of team? Toughest team. Um, toughest team. Might have been France, the 3 nothing game. I, I thought that was a tough match. Mm. 
In qualifiers? Aye. Uh-huh. Aye, that was possibly... But again, when you play Yugoslavia and all that, and, uh, Argentina, England, Brazil, do you know when you get all them? But you expect that's that's the way. Sometimes you play against a team and you don't expect them to be as good as uh, England or Brazil or mm-hmm. something like that. Okay. And what is the one moment that will live with you forever? Stepping over the line. Fantastic. I want to ask you a couple of questions about the current Scotland situation. We're going to Albania next month and then Israel at home. Still in well in contention to yeah. top the Nations League group, but what are your thoughts on the current situation with Scotland? I thought it was a, not a poor performance, but a poor result. The real game. Because I think now, moving through spells with the national team that we've had players that's they're not playing in the top flight they're not playing at good teams they're coming from the championship they're coming from division one that's all changed now we've got better players better quality and for me that was a disappointment the, the real game even though it's away from home we've got to look at games like that and think let's go and do something here let's go and beat these teams let's go and be unbeaten in the, the section so now all of a sudden we're under a wee bit of pressure everybody's got the same points so it's it's tough for us do you expect us to do it? I do expect us to do it but Scotland being Scotland what we are it doesn't always happen but I, th- I think we've, we've got a good chance we've just got to get the, the right players on the pitch and performing well because I think we've got a lot of good players I think the squad's good but defence can be sorted out as well but I still think we've just got to, on the night, we've got to perform. Would having the right players on the pitch include both Robertson and Tierney? I think they've both got to be on the pitch at the same time. And, uh, you've got, that's a management thing that you'd sit down because you've got two, possibly two of the best left-backs in British football just now. So you're, you're looking at them, Robertson being the captain, because... Um, I've watched, I've watched Kieran Tierney since his debut for Celtic. He can run from left back to wide left and cross the ball in, same as Andy Robertson. But that's their job, that's that's what they know what to do. When you play the two of them together, it doesn't work because one of them's not doing his usual runs mm-hmm. and where he sees the game from. One of them's playing in the middle of the park and they, he's got somebody to be fight behind them. Normally they've always got someone... But, they're there and no one's behind them they know how to play the game and I think it's difficult playing the two of them at the, the same side of the park what, what would your solution be? you're either looking at Kieran Tierney coming in to be the left sided of three defender or play him at right back but no, you're playing him at and I say that he's not so comfortable with his right foot but again he's still got the same thoughts and how how hard he works and that's what we need we need people that's just going to work and it doesn't matter where they're playing because I read one or two players were talking about oh, players were out of position they can't be that far out away from where they play week in week out and if you can play if you're a good player you can play anywhere the Lee Griffiths situation, do you think there's more than meets the eye with that? Want yeah. to focus on fitness? I, I, th- I think, obviously, what's happened when Alec pronounced his striker for who was going to start the next game, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that because yeah. you never know what situation you're in that the uh, striker could get injured and then you're, you're looking for a new one and you say oh well am I second choice here mm-hmm. so yeah I'm sure Alec will look back and think no I'll not give a mention who's played who's started the next game if Lee Griffiths is unhappy he McLeish the Scotland staff and Celtic are all saying that there's nothing wrong but if Lee Griffiths is unhappy with that situation and McLeish naming Naismith as his number one can you understand why Griffiths would be a bit unhappy about that yeah yeah Especially because did Naismith not come in as a, a late addition? Yeah. So it's like some someone, if you're in the initial squad and then someone gets brought in because of injury, 
then he gets a start before you. Then you, your your thoughts are, well, why was he not knowing the initial squad? Because he wasn't good enough. He wasn't getting in there. So it's, it's a difficult one. I can understand where Lee Griffiths is uh, coming from because possibly over the last 10 years with Scotland, he's given me the best highlights oh, yeah. of watching Scotland twice in the space of 10 minutes. So for, for me, he's, he's, he's got to be in the team. He's a goal scorer. Even when he's on the bench and you're watching him coming on, he's, he has efforts to go from all angles he's always a threat and I think you no know, Naismith has had a fantastic start to the season but to come from nowhere to where he is then I, I think it's, it's, it's great for him but, but Griffiths should still be there So do you think <coughs> do you expect Griffiths to put this behind him then and if he's in the next squad and fit just to carry on Yeah yeah. I, I think I think obviously he's went a wee huff He's come out and said that, and, but he's he's been he has been injured and he's, he's given himself a chance to get uh, match fit again. So I, I think I think he's he's the type of player he wants to play for Scotland. Lee's had so many knocks over the years. Even when he first arrived at Celtic, he was always on the bench and all that kind of thing, and he get by that, never moaned about it. Get into the team, he's worked hard. And that will be the same with Scotland. I think he'll be desperate to come back in and start at number nine. Brilliant. Well, Murdo, that wraps everything up brilliantly. I'm really happy that you've been able to come on and share so much. So thanks very much for being a guest on the Hamden Row. Thank you very much, Andy. Cheers. Cheers. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.